0: I want you to take your Bible and turn to the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis. I want to speak very briefly on -on one-on-one, especially playing basketball. It's, you know, five against five. But a lot of guys like to hone their skills, and so they like to play one-on-one. When it comes to you and the Lord, did you realize how it's just going to be one-on-one? Can you imagine that here was Adam in the garden? And Adam in the garden was able to go one-on-one with the Lord. Adam didn't have any sin. He was in a perfect paradise. Everything was wonderful. They fellowshiped together. Their relationship was great. The Bible says, and they walked in the cool of the day. What if that had been you? Wouldn't you have loved that? To be put into the garden of Eden. And then to be given... The most beautiful woman in the world. Why would she be the most beautiful woman in the world? She was the only woman in the world. And that's why Eve said to Adam, says, do, you, do you love me? He says, Who else? Tammy, did you get that? Oh. <laughs> and of course, you know what happened. But let me ask you a question How many chances did God give to Adam and Eve to get it right? One time. Think about this for a moment. How wonderful it was and how bad it became for a little bitty sin. They ate an apple. Was it an apple? I don't know. Some people say they think it was a banana because it had a peel. I don't know. But whatever it was that they ate, it was such a simple little bitty thing. It was no big deal. It was just one little thing. I mean, why punish him so bad? Think for a moment. God is perfect. God is perfect, then he cannot tolerate any sin in his presence. And the Bible says that the Lord walked in the cool of the day. God was in the garden. God talked to Adam and Eve. So now, everything's changed. Everything changed because of one little deed, not two, not three, just one, one sin and that's all she wrote. and when he made the statement, look in Genesis in chapter two and verse sixteen, Genesis chapter two and verse sixteen, and the Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it for In the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Now a lot of people say, well, he didn't die that day. But remember this. There are three deaths that we talk about in the Bible. There is the the death of a relationship. Because isn't it true that God and Adam walked together, talked together? Now that relationship has been destroyed. It was the death of a relationship. They could no longer participate together like they once did. One little sin. So much damage. Think of all the consequences in the world because of that one tree, one fruit, one sin. And look at all the results. Have you ever thought about some of the things, little things, that you tolerate in your life and don't even think about the consequences of one little sin? And yet, one little sin in your life, and my life, can make a lot of difference. Because we don't always see how it relates to everything. We can't see all the cause and effects down the road. But sin is sin. Sin is imperfection. God is perfect. God cannot tolerate sin. So there is the death of a relationship. A man by the name of John Cross, he was a missionary to Papua New Guinea, he took his wife and his son named Andrew and they went all the way over there to Papua New Guinea. Now we've had several missionaries that's come through here that have been to this place, to been to these tribes. They had a little house built on stilts, not far off the ground, but just enough that a person could weasel a little way underneath it. And they loved their little hut that they lived in, and they loved every morning waking up in that fresh air, And the beautiful greenery that they had. And they they loved being there. They loved what they were doing. They loved the people. And everything was great. Kind of like being in a paradise. One day, uh, a big old rat crawled under the house. Got about in the middle of the house. Underneath it. Died. How many of you have ever been to Colorado? Or out west where you've seen, as you're driving along and you can tell, lo and behold, there must be a cattle farm around here somewhere because there's an odor about it. And you say to certain people, how can you live so close to this cattle farm because of the odor? What do you smell? He says, money. Smell money. And if you stay around it long enough, you know after a while, you you don't even notice it anymore. I've noticed being down here in Georgia, There are a lot of chicken farms around. Can you tell when you get close to a chicken farm when the wind's just right? You say, What is that smell? Say, Money. Money. That's what it is. And some people that are not used to that, it is foul. It's a bad odor, it's a bad omen. And they can't, they try to hold their breath. If you've been driving the car and you come across something like that and try to hold your breath. But you hate to take a deep breath. And then see how long you can hold it. They had a, a rat. Well, the stench got so bad, they couldn't stand it. So they moved to the back part of their house to try to get away from the stench. But it permeated the whole house. Andrew got the job. They told him to put a plastic sack around his hand. And he was small enough he could crawl underneath the crawl space. And he finally got to the thing trying to hold his nose and get a hold of that dead rat. Crawl underneath the house on his belly, inching his way. Finally got to this rat, got it by the tail. He looked at it and realized that there were maggots all over this rat. So he got it by the very end of the tail and drug it out as he crawled underneath that thing trying to get out from under there. And the smell was terrible. And he took that thing and he swung it over his head and he let it go out into the woods. Now, if that rat could have come to life at that moment, that rat could have known that Andrew was angry. He probably could have heard him say, if he could hear, You're out of here. And uh, the rat would have probably said, For how long? And Andrew would have said, Forever. Forever. Well, when can the rat come back? When would you want the rat to come back? Never, never, because you don't want to be in the presence of such a gross, vile, smelling stench for the rest of your life. To someone that is perfect, that's what you and I smell like in the presence of God from one sin. God could not stand for any sin to be in His presence. He often talks about the sins of man as a stench in His nostrils his son that he sent into the world, well, it was a sweet-smelling savor. It talks about the sacrifices that were made in the Old Testament as a sweet-smelling savor, sweet to the nostrils of God. But God does not like sin. He hates sin. Adam and Eve only had to commit one sin to be cast out of the garden. How long were they cast out of the garden? Forever. They couldn't go back. Even put an angel with a flaming sword to keep the way so that nobody could come back in. I want you to take your Bible and turn to the book of Habakkuk in chapter 1. I want you to look there in verse 13. There is also not just the death of the relationship, because now that have been severed. Thou art of pure eyes than to behold evil canst not look on iniquity. You ought to underline that statement in your Bible. The Lord's perfection cannot tolerate imperfection. That's why you and I were not able to live in the presence of God. So you and I, when we were born into this world because of this old sinful nature that has been passed on to us, we are separated from God. We are spiritually dead, separated from God. And so what the new birth is about is you being connected back to God. God restoring life. Because he says thou shalt surely die means that you were cut off from the very source of life. I've used this illustration before if these plants were real and I was to take a flower and I cut it off. Well, the flower has been cut off from the source of life. It's dead. Now, it doesn't look dead. It still smells good. It looks good. It's just that it's dead because you and I know once it's cut off from the source of life, it's dead. It's going to take a few days before it withers. You and I have been cut off from the very source of spiritual life. We're spiritually dead. It means that God is a spirit, and being spiritually dead, we can't communicate with God. And that's why we have to be made spiritually alive. So when you trusted Christ as your Savior... You were born of the Spirit, made spiritually alive. So now you have a a body, soul, and a spirit. So your body is what makes you world conscious, and your spirit is what makes you God conscious, and your soul is what makes you self conscious. But being spiritually minded, it means that uh, my spirit can communicate with God, who is a spirit. He also says that concerning the body, eventually the body of man will die. It will die. There is the death of the body. Look in Psalms 104, the 104th Psalm. Verse 29 says, Thou hidest thy face, they are troubled. Thou takest away their breath, they die, returned to their dust. That's the body. Now the spirit of man lasts forever. Death is simply the spirit from the body. Whenever you lost that relationship in the garden from God, it was you were made spiritually dead. You were separated from the presence of God. That's why they were cast out of the garden. Later they were cast out of their body. And one day, at the second death, uh, they will be cast from the very presence of God forever. That's the second death. But here he makes the statement, Thou takest away their breath." Now keep this in mind. It is God that giveth life. God gives life. The right to life comes from God God is the one that can take and let us live and God can let us die what is supposed to be a mature man and woman well mature people that you know are married and they they've got responsibilities so we often say they are responsible for their their own actions and what they do if I was to ask you how many of you think you ought to pay your legitimate debts well most people raise their hand yes everybody ought to pay their legitimate debt but whenever we have bills to pay, we just believe that that's a, a, a normal, a right thing to do. So whenever the um, gas bill comes due, we've got to pay the bill. So one of the advantages of being an adult on our own is that we get to pay our own bills. This is why some kids like to stay at home because they don't have to pay many bills. I know some kids, they'll never get out of home. They're smart enough to figure this thing out. Some kids never grow up and figure this out. But can you figure out why a man and a woman will look at each other and have such wonderful dreams for the future? And they'll want to talk about getting married someday and getting out on their own. Getting out on their own. What do you mean getting out on your own? You get your own set of bills. You get to pay. So you got to get a job, work, make some money so you can pay your own bills. Or you can stay at home and live off mom and dad. But have you ever seen a, a mom, a dad that, takes to pay the last bill. Well, what is the last bill we're going to have to pay? Well, the wages of sin is what? Debt. That means you earn the right. You have to die. You have a debt to pay. You have a debt. And because you sin, the soul that sinneth it shall die. So we have to die. That really is nothing more than a bill we have to pay. Now, wouldn't it be neat if the Lord came back before we died? Now, you know, there is some people that are going to be alive when Jesus Christ comes, and they'll never have to pay that bill because they won't die. I don't want to live forever down here. I just want to live long enough to bury everybody else. (laughs) Why is it that everybody knows they've got that one bill to pay, but nobody wants to talk about paying that bill? Nobody really looks forward to death. And yet it's the last final. You know, when you pay that bill, you don't have to pay your light bill anymore. Any kind of bill. You don't have to pay no more bills anymore. Think about it. Our final Enemy is death. And it's a final bill that we have to pay down here. God says that soul that sent it shall die. And there's a payment to be made. Do you realize that there was a day upon this earth when if man had not touched that fruit, we would have been living, we would have still been born, but we would have been living in total paradise. Do you realize that death is also the death of future joy? To realize that what you are going to have and could have had by the disobedient. One sin is going to keep you from all of that. It caused the death of a relationship that you had between you and God. Caused you the death of a body that God gave and made that could have lasted forever. Your body and my body could have lasted forever. For eternity our bodies were designed to last forever. But because of sin, look what it's cost. And then for the joy that we would have had for all eternity, death of a dream. You know, there's sometimes a a guy, he looks at a girl and he thinks, boy, we, we need to get married. And it takes everything he's got to muster up that courage to say, will you marry me? And she says, yes, I will. I will marry you. And the joy at that moment whenever he's asked, and she says, yes. And there's a ring put on her finger and, and they are so thrilled and happy. Now, are they thinking about the future or thinking about the past? They're thinking about the future. They're thinking about how it's going to be wonderful and happy. And they'll live together because they did not see enough cowboy movies as they ride off into the sunset and they live happily ever after. And they're engaged. Uh, they're thinking about... Who are they going to invite to the wedding? They've got to get a preacher. They've got to take and get all the things together, the flowers, and who's going to be in the wedding, the best man, the best girl, and all this stuff, and the bridesmaid, whatever. And all these people, and, and who's going to be invited, and, and the party, and the food, and, and they're all excited about all these things. Cards got to be written out. They think about the house they're going to have, where it's going to be, you know, and who's going to work, who's not going to work or whether they're going to pull the money together, her account, his account, how many kids are going to have. It's all about the future. They're all excited. And it's good, and they're happy about it. But, for some reason, if they decide to call off the wedding, they broke the relationship, does that change all the plans? You think they'll go through with all the plans? It changes everything. Did you realize how little decisions can affect so much in our lives that we don't think are really that big. And yet it can affect everything, affect so much. But what Christ did was to restore everything that was lost. All the death of a relationship, to restore the death of a physical body that was designed to live forever, but now 50, 60, 70 years. Maybe a few more, but it's still sorrow. And then we are cut off and then fly away. And the death of the joy of the future. Every individual wants to be happy. But we don't want to be happy in heaven. We want to be happy now. So wouldn't it be great if we could get a little bit of that happiness and that joy and bring it into the present? Well, God says we're supposed to believe Him so much. You see, a little faith in Christ takes the soul to heaven. Uh, But a lot of faith in the Lord after we're saved can bring a lot of heaven to the soul. So by believing God and trusting God, we can be happy now. We can have peace now. Even while the world is in such turmoil, we can have joy. Things that the world can't give and things the world can't take away. But if One little bitty sin can cost so much. Think what one little bitty obedient decision can bring. So that's why the offer is made to every individual. Because it's a one-on-one. It doesn't matter what everybody else did or are doing. It's what am I going to do? What is going to be my decision? Here's Christ. He died on the cross for the whole world. I can either accept it or I can reject it. But it's my decision, not yours. It's mine. You can't make it for me. I can't make it for you. It's a personal one-on-one decision. And if I choose, I can have eternal life. I can become a child of God. And God will give me a new birth. The new birth that's born without a sinful nature. See, my first birth was born with a sinful nature. My second birth was born without one. So I... Not having a sinful nature in my second birth, it can't sin. If it can't sin, it can't die. So that means I'm a, I'm a child of God for, forever. And my greatest relationship is now with the Father, and I am related to Him as His child. Now I have a relationship that can never be broken. That relationship can't be broken. My fellowship with God can be broken, but not my relationship. So I have an eternal relationship because I am an eternal son of God. He is my eternal father. I belong to him. That can never be broken. Now or tomorrow or not in eternity, it can never be broken. I am a child of God. That is a relationship that's better than the one they had in the garden because that one could be broken. It wasn't so much as Adam and Eve were so perfect. They had the capacity to sin. They just hadn't sinned. But they had the capacity to sin. You and I in our new birth will not have the capacity to sin. Like a cup. It has the capacity to hold water. We will be created in our new birth without the capacity to hold a sinful nature. We can't sin. And we will not be able to tolerate sin no more than God would. The closer you get to God, the closer you stay with the Lord, the more you walk with the Lord, the sins of the world become a stench in your nostrils. Can't stand it. You can't stand it when people take God's name in vain. You can't stand that. And you'll see things that other people won't see. You'll hear things that others won't hear. Because, you see, the closer you are with the Lord, you'll wind up loving and hating the same thing that God does. Now, some people get so far away from the Lord, see, they have gotten used to the stench, the rebellion of people, the way the world is. Everybody's like that. And so they just become like the world. They've lost the shock value. And we ought to stay where we can still be embarrassed, still be ashamed, still get red-faced. Because, you see, if you don't, that dead rat under the house... You'll get to where you can just live with it. It's all right after a while. Or you can get it out of there. I'm talking about in this life, there's some things we can't change with other people. But it's a one on one. It's what do you want? What do you accept? Because as a child of God, we have a day coming where we're going to stand before the Lord and He's going to reward us. Now, He doesn't reward us in groups, He doesn't reward a committee. He won't bless us in heaven as church members. Would you all please come up here? It's individually. What did you do? What did you do? What did you do? Remember he faced Adam and says, Adam, what hast thou done? Well, you know that woman you made? Eve, what did you do? Well, the serpent. You know the serpent you made? The blame game began. Now, while we're down here, we blame everything, everybody for my sorry lot in life. But, with God, see, it was one-on-one. In spite of what Adam said, the woman that you gave me, God put a curse on Adam. And the woman, God cursed the woman. And the serpent, do you ever wonder why God never asked the serpent, what did you do? Some people say because he didn't have a leg to stand on. Some of y'all get that after a while, you know. But he cursed the ground. God cursed the whole earth. One little sin. This is why as much as possible, and nobody can do it for you. Who is going to make you read the Bible? Because that's how God speaks to you. Prayer, well, that's how you talk to God. It's a one-on-one. One. See, nobody can do this for you. It's an individual thing. And when we get to heaven and God rewards everybody, God's going to reward one-on-one. It's what you did. And blame game won't work. God said, what did you do? Why didn't you serve me? Well, nobody else did. I'm not worried about that. What did you do? And God's going to reward us for what we as an individual. And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. That's one-on-one. God's going to do it, and it's a personal thing. It has nothing to do with your wife, your husband, your children. It's you. It's me. It's a personal thing. It's one-on-one. And I think we need to keep it in mind because God's not looking for the committees. <laughs> Don't worry about the committee. This end represents you and me, and the wallet represents sin. We all... Have sin on us. God loves us, but he hates our sin. And the Lord tells us that because he loves us, he wants us to go to heaven. But because of sin, we can't get in. God says that to pay for the sin is eternal separation from God in a place called hell. God wants us to go to heaven. And we can't get into heaven because heaven is perfect. We cannot save ourselves. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, would you trust him right now? Just say simply, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I believe Christ died to pay for my sins, and I'll take and trust him to take me to heaven whenever I die. Friend, if you'll do that, God will save you, give eternal life. If you've never trusted the Lord, I urge you to do so. So why not right now in the quietness of this moment say something simple like this, I know I'm a sinner. I believe Christ paid for my sins. Right now, I'll trust him to take me to heaven when I die. And preach, I'd like you to pray for me in closing. So ahead, bow nice clothes, so that I can pray for you. Would you slip in it very quickly and put it right back down? anyone at all. If you've never trusted the Lord, would you trust him now? Anyone at all. If you have trusted Christ as your Savior, realize how one little sin in our life can alter so much in our life. The things that we don't think are important, studying the word of God is what keeps your discernment sharp, where you can see and understand and see how God thinks and feels about things. Because, see, it's, it's a one-on-one. Nobody can do this for you. You can be as holy and as godly as you choose to be. Or you can be carnally minded. Do right. Serve the Lord. Father, we do thank you so much for all you've done for us. We ask your blessings upon each one here. And help us, Father, to put you first in every area of our life. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.